draft the Houston Rockets select Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn University. Hey Perk, you were right. I love it. I love it. Ace <laughs> Town stand up. McDonald's All-American, he gets selected number three overall. We are here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am one of your co-hosts, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. And I just recently had an article come out for Dream Shake uh, talking about the Rockets instantly improving their shooting and their overall defense. And, of course, I am Dave, I'm joined by Dave Hardesty of Clutch Fans, who I would ask how you're doing, but I think I kind of know at this point how you're doing. But I guess we'll start with there. How are you feeling today? Oh, yeah, I'm extremely tired. I I, I got home like from that party around 1, 1.30 over at uh, Bema Thug's place. And, uh, you know, Ben DeBose and uh, Brianne Rocket Girl w- w- was there. And it was just a, a really good time. But uh, I, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I just I got – there was so much to catch up on. There was just so yeah. much. And I was just so excited. I think I – I dozed around six thirty, woke up around nine, and I've wow. just been going ever since. It's, I'm sure I'll crash hard this weekend, but uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it's just such a thrill. I I got to be a hundred percent honest. I t- I did not see this coming at all. Um, yeah. There's no, I, I just, it, I've never seen anything like this in the NBA draft, where everybody for a solid month is saying this is the guy. And Woj, the morning of, is saying this is the guy. I mean, yeah. I, I thought it was you could take it to the bank. And, um, you know, even the odds this morning had, had fixed a Vegas odds that, you know, Bank Carroll was a, a, you know, you could have bet on Bank Carroll and, and made a lot of money if you, yeah. if you were to go that route. So it's, it was a huge shock. Um, and I just kind of kept my head down thinking, can this really be happening? <laughs> Are the Rockets going to trade up for Paolo? What's going on here? Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I fell in love with Jabari's game in December. When I, I really didn't even know much about him until November, um, but uh, I just uh, the Rockets got a really unique, in my opinion, prospect, a rare prospect, a, a guy who has this kind of um, work ethic, uh, this kind of shooting ability at his size yeah. is extremely unique. There, there is no doubt for him to become sort of super, uh, a major superstar. He's going to have to work on a weakness that you don't often see. Um, get developed once you get to the pros and that's his ball handling and his, you know, his shot creation ability. It, I, I should take that back. His shot creation ability is going to be just fine. His yeah. ability to, to, you know, cross up a guy and get to the basket and, and create for others. That's something he has to work on and you don't see it develop um, very often, but the skills that he has ha- and the build that he has modern NBA to the T great fit to the T um, you have now two st- star players in him and Jalen Green with great work ethics. Um, so to answer your question, how am I doing? I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> really well. Yeah, I, I, I kind of figured that. And and you mentioned about how it was just it seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was going to be the 
the uh, number one pick. And even when, like you said, with Woj, he had mentioned it. And usually when Woj mentions something, it's pretty much set in concrete. He usually doesn't tweet anything unless he knows almost 100% sure. Almost, I mean, so much so that the Vegas line, when, before he came out with his tweet, the Vegas line had kind of shifted towards oh, yeah. Paulo Bancaro. But as soon as he came out with the tweet, it went back the other way. So yeah. that kind of lets you know how everybody feels about his, normally his, you know, the intel that he has. But like you said, I mean, even from uh, Bancaro himself, he seemed shocked. He seemed like he didn't even know what was going on. And I mean, if the reports are true, he didn't even work out for Orlando. So I, I think everybody was, you know, completely shocked. Um, I, I remember, I think you had mentioned, a couple of other people had mentioned uh, when Rafael Stone was doing his press conference that it seemed like he sort of knew what was going to happen. But at the same time, you know, I think part of him had to be kind of surprised as well because I don't think anybody really saw this coming except for probably Orlando. And honestly, I don't even see what Orlando is doing because if the guy doesn't work out for you, and you don't really do a lot. I mean, I'm sure they did their own background checks on things like that. But, I mean, other than the phone call, it didn't seem like it was that much of communication between the two. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, was a shock to a lot of people, especially <laughs> the Bancaro bandwagon people that were out there that really wanted Bancaro. Sure. Um, but, I mean, just to kind of go into why did you feel that uh, Jabari Smith was the better option for the Rockets? Was it a matter of fit? Or like you were just saying, do you see a path to where he can be a star, uh, even with some of the limitations that he may have right now? I do. Um, you know, I, as far as offense, I, I look at guys like Glenn Rice, LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah. Dirk Nowitzki. None of these are, are perfect comps, but I mean, just in their ability to um, create their own shot within, you know, as far as a, a ranged shot. And I think um, – he's going to have that kind of ability and he's going to bring it on the other end of the floor as well. Yeah. You know, when I, when people bring up Kawhi or something like that, I don't think that's fair because Kawhi is, you know, a better creator. Um, but a two way player like Kawhi uh, is what you hope to get uh, yeah. out of him. And so I'm just, I, I couldn't be more thrilled at least that the Rockets are taking this chance. And, you know, for the people who wanted Paolo, um, you know, I'll be honest. I, I'm I'm not doing a victory lap here. I'll extend all the branch, honestly, because, yeah. um, you know, I know I've been there many times when you don't get the prospect that you want. It's 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 not fun, and um, so I don't want to like rub their nose in it. I mean, there are a few people that I'll probably pick out, but <laughs> <laughs> we understand, but, right? Right, but uh, but no, for the most part, like um, you know, it's I'm just excited. I think all Rocket fans will come together, hopefully, yeah. at this point, and. And just enjoy him. I mean, you know, if you want to be right, maybe you will be down the line. But I think as far as, um, you know, what the Rockets have in a prospect at his age, just turned 19 and Jalen Green is relatively fresh 20. Um, there's just so much to be excited about. I mean, this this pairing could be really great. You've got another pick coming up next year that could yeah. be really high. Things are just looking rosy for the Rockets. And, and I know it's been a tough two years and it, you're going to add one more. Um, that's probably going to be a little <laughs> yeah. bit, you know, more of a growing pains, but, uh, there's a lot to be excited about right now as a Rockets fan. Yeah. I mean, and, and you mentioned about, you know, sometimes not getting the prospect that you want and, and this yeah. is kind of a public service announcement to everybody that you should never go too far when you're, you're backing one prospect over another, because you never actually know. And me personally, the last two years, I didn't 
the Rockets didn't draft the person that I actually wanted them to draft, but yeah. I never went too far one way or another where it was just hard for me to go back. Like I yeah. never last year was saying <laughs> Jalen Green was is going to be horrible. I don't know why they're going to draft him. I was always saying I'll be fine if they draft Jalen Green. I would I wanted Evan Mobley. I, everybody know it wasn't a Same secret, here. but yeah. I was perfectly fine with them drafting Jalen Green. Same thing this year. I never, you know, downgraded Jabari just to prop up Chet. I mean, it was never like that for me. So just everybody remember that next year. If the Rockets <laughs> are in the top five, please don't go overboard one way or another with their prospect because we have no idea, except if they go number one, I think. Yeah. At least for now, I think we kind of know what that pick is going to be. But, I mean, outside of that, you really have no idea who can be number two, who can be number three. It could be any of the guys at that point. It could be Scoot Henderson. It could be the Thompson Twins. I mean, who knows? You're right. And and just to add to that as well, like, you know, I went through that pain. Like, in other words, after the lottery results and it became clear and nothing was changing, there was no drama, I was like, okay, we're not getting the guy that I love. The guy that (laughs) that we're going to end up getting is the guy, excuse me, that I felt was, you know, fourth on my board. And so I knew I was getting some flack. But I had a whole month to, like, I was – I was ready for this. I to come to terms with it, yeah. Yeah, I prepared artwork. I mean, it's like it was not like I was stewing and upset about getting yeah. Paolo Bancaro. It was fact, and I was already ready for it. So, um, you know, I, I for people who wanted Paolo, and then in an instant it's gone just before the draft, I honestly yeah. I feel for him. So, I, I you know. But I think every, the Rockets, no matter which way it unfolded, because if you remember, if you were following uh, on Twitter, there was a, a brief 30-second moment where Chris Haynes said Jabari Smith's going too. And yeah. then he deleted that tweet. <laughs> so we thought we were getting Chet. And and yeah. we were celebrating that at the at the um, at Bemis draft party as well. So, you know, you couldn't lose. The, all three of those guys were really good. It, you know, it, it's just unfortunate there were these little, you know, factions, I guess. And, and hopefully now everyone's going to be cheering for the Rockets. Yeah, I actually sent out a tweet earlier saying that, at least in the morning, it was the first time in a long time there was kind of just a kumbaya moment with Rockets fans because it kind of seemed like we thought we knew what was going to happen. And then after that, it kind of changed. <laughs> after, yeah. after the draft, it kind of went back to normal. But at least for a brief several hours, we actually had some calm within Rockets Twitter. But I will say it hasn't been too bad today, at least, as uh, far yeah. as, you know, people being mad that we have Jabari Smith. I mean, it's been a few people, but it hasn't been anything crazy. So hopefully it stays that way when, I don't know, Jabari Smith goes out there and has a three for 15 game or something like that, which every rookie is going to have. I just don't want it to go the other way and say, well, see, that's why we should, you know, trade it up and try to get Ben Carroll. But I mean, I I think at least for now, most people are are calm anyway. (laughs) I I, I agree. I think people are coming together. And I think the part of it, just so you know, is like, because it was clear it was that we were going to get Bancaro, you yeah. couldn't talk about other prospects because people would look at that like you're not talking about – you're talking about guys who yeah. are going to be on the Thunder and Magic, and that was like viewed negatively. So it's a strange psychology to the whole thing, but now that there's actually a player who's going to be the rock uh, on the Rockets, and it doesn't matter which of the three it was, but we're all going to, I think, unite behind that player and, and pull for him. Yeah, and it's exciting because honestly, I mean – if Ben Carroll was right, I wouldn't even plan on doing a podcast today because um, we already had one Wednesday. We have another one tomorrow with Ben DeVos. But oh, then when awesome. Jabari gets drafted, it's actually kind of exciting because it's stuff we hadn't been talking about for weeks and months. So yeah. it, it's definitely some you know added layers to what you're able to talk about instead of – I mean, we've been talking about Ben Carroll's game, how he fits with Shangun for a long time now. Yeah. So now we get to talk about Jabari, how he brings a whole different skill set. And actually, before we get too deep into his skill set and actual – um, 
you know, his actual stats, along with, you know, Tari Eason and Ty Ty Washington as well, who were other draft picks of the Rockets. How was it at the draft party, like right before the pick and then right after, you know, everybody realized who the Rockets were picking? So at, at three or at each one, I guess? Oh, at three, especially. Sure. Well, at three, it was like, you know, people kept saying to me, hey, it looks like you're going to get your guy. And I, I, I yeah. just, I, the way I'm built, I'm like, I refuse to believe something. If I've already had my <laughs> hopes crushed and somebody starts giving me hope again, I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, just. It's not going to happen. I'm telling myself I'm not going that uh, that route again. Yeah. So, but it, the anticipation was building, and it was like this is really happening. They're taking Paolo. Are they taking him for Houston? Yeah. Are they taking him for somebody else? But when it became clear they became they, they wanted him to you know on the Orlando Magic, I, I just was like we're, we're going to get Cheddar Jabari. I I couldn't be happier. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Yeah, and I know you've been a big Chet guy, and so that you know that was interesting too. But it kind of what was fascinating was OKC was taking Chet yeah, regardless. So pretty much. if for whatever reason um, Orlando wanted to play games and wanted Jabari out of this thing, they they really could have leveraged Houston. They could have, you know, leapfrogged uh, OKC and and taken Paolo there and and left yeah. uh, you know Jabari on the table for Orlando at three. So it, it's really uh, a lot of games that were being played between three teams that have no excuse but to go BPA. And as far as at the party, we were just, you know, ecstatic and just everybody was really happy about the way it unfolded. And it continued at pick 17 and yeah. 26 to trade down to 29. It was like, you know, and and David Wiener, Bima Thug, like, you know, he's not a guy you see like, you know, using much profanity or anything. But when he's really happy <laughs> yeah. about the Rockets, he'll he'll uh, let it go. I'll just say that he was like, we nailed this thing. He was <laughs> I'm just sure that so was a sight. <laughs> Yes, it really was. And um yeah, everybody there was was really really happy, and it looks like the reaction at the Rockets draft party was really positive as well. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at, and that's kind of what I want to go into next. I mean, you look at, you get, I mean, of course Jabari, but you always get Tyree Eason, who you know he he doesn't have the shooting pedigree of a Jabari, but he did improve tremendously from his freshman year to his sophomore year. You know, going to up, getting up to thirty five percent shooting. Of course, there's some. Um, some concerns about his shooting motion and how would that translate to the NBA? Um, but again, he is with a really you know good situation with that. You know, having a person like John Lucas, who, as we saw with KJ Martin, who was the same way. I mean, he was shooting under thirty percent when he first got in the league, and now he's to, at least to a respectable range to where um, he's not a liability when he's on the offensive end. And I think you kind of gonna see the same thing with Tyree Eason. But kind of going back to Jabari. I mean, you're getting a 6'10 guy who shot, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, 42% um, from 24 feet and beyond, which is just kind of insane. That's I mean, yeah. even further than the you know, NBA three-point line. And another stat I saw, he in the last 25 years, um, he made the most three-pointers out of any guy 6'10 or taller. Now, of course, this is a little bit deceiving because Durant was 6'9 in college, and he made a few more threes. <laughs> sure. But still, sure. that's still impressive, I mean, to make that many threes at that size. So, I mean, you're getting improved scoring. You're getting improved defense. I mean, from day one, I mean, you have two switchable guys who can either play small forward or power forward. I mean, your defense from last year was dead last in points per game given up. So now you have two guys who are going to be above average to elite defensively. So, I mean, when you're looking at that, to me, that's like the biggest thing for me. I mean, of course, offense is always great. A lot of people look at offense, but to have two guys that want to play defense, I mean, that's something the Rockets sorely lack, especially if you're going to be getting rid of Eric Gordon at some point. 
you're going to need guys like that that can actually go out there at 6'8", 6'10", that can actually guard multiple positions. So, I mean, when you're looking at that, what do you see from the defensive end, what the things the Rockets are going to be able to do? And Coach Salas is actually going to have a players that he can actually go out there and put out that can do different things, not just on offense, but on defense. Yeah, you bring up a great point. I mean, you don't have to look much farther than the NBA Finals to see, you yeah. know, how the impact of lengthy wings and and um, you know defense. I mean, number one, number two defensive teams, and I think it was four and seven when you had the the uh, conference finalists as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think they've got enormous potential. I think Rafael Stone has definitely is wanting to temper expectations, like, hey, they're rookies. You know, they're not going to plug right in and, and shut down you know NBA guys right out of the gate. Yeah. They have that potential, though. Like they have the potential over the next couple of years, as the Rockets become good, um, to be that kind of a, a those kind of defensive players. And so, to have that length, Tari Eason has you know unique uh, Kawhi-like size hands. Yes. Like you don't see that very often. You see some of his defensive plays in transition, especially where he just boom just snatches the ball out of somebody's hands. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to like. I think with Tari, he has the potential to be a truly elite defender. Rafael Stone said, "I, you know, I expect him to be one of the most switchable defenders in the league, and that can guard one through five. With him, it's where's his defensive IQ going to be? Is he going to understand switches and schemes and rotations? Yeah. Um, you know, orchestrating a, a defense. I think that's." a little bit of a growth area for him because he's got all the physical ability and point of attack and, and things of that nature off ball defense. Um, but I, I, as far as understanding schemes and switches, I mean, Draymond green is an elite defensive IQ guy where yeah. like you could take a, a, a hardened Capella pick and roll and somehow defend both Harden and Capella on the pace. truly amazing. So, you know, you, you have hope for Tari Eason to be that kind of impactful defender. Um, but but we'll see. Uh, he's got you know some learning uh, to do. But the potential there with that pick, uh, really on both sides of the ball, I think Tari, you know, he's eighty percent free throw shooter. Got yeah. to the line a tremendous amount. Uh, his free throw rate is really really good. Um, there's just a lot to like there as well. But he's gonna have to work on his shooting form. You pointed out and like just a, a few other things I think to to uh, you know succeed in the league. But uh, lots of like with Tari. Yeah, I mean, and I was kind of actually listening to the spaces that you were just hosting right before you jumped on. And it's something that they mentioned that's a really good point that I always try to bring up is that you can't always look at just their stats. You have to look at their situation in college. And a lot of time in college, especially um, with Jabari Smith, he was playing, he had Kessler behind him that, you know, he was able to phone on a lot of different things too. So he, even with a, a shot blocker and a good defensive center behind him, he still averaged over a block a game in under 30 minutes, along with a, over a steal a game. And the same thing with Tyree Eason. He was able to average almost two steals a game. And mm-hmm. as you pointed out, he didn't even start a majority of the games. He only started like four games all season. So you got those two guys, and then also he averaged over a block a game. So you have two wing guys who are averaging over a block and a steal a game, and they both were doing it under 30 minutes a game. I mean, that's something – that I can't remember the last time the Rockets had that type of you know defensive wings, even in the PJ Tucker, and I'm comparing them to PJ Tucker and, and Bob Mute, you know those type of players. But even those type of players weren't the type of shot blockers that you're getting from those two. So I mean that's definitely unique in in itself. 
having those two type of players um, that you're going to be able to eventually put in your starting lineup. Um, but I want to ask you about um, Tari Eason before we get to Ty Ty Washington. I want to ask you, do you see him starting more in the G League, maybe the first half of the season or first month of the season, and then ver- eventually working his way in? Or is that kind of dependent on what they do with Eric Gordon? You know, uh, well, that's a good point, too. Um, let's see what happens with Eric Gordon. Yeah. I've been debating this. I definitely don't think he's a guy that you're going to see most of the season in the G League, but he may start yeah. there. I think if he comes into camp and they say, well, he's, you know, he, he can make too much of an impact, then he may start right out of, out of the gate. I mean, I remember yeah. the year where Parsons, Chandler Parsons, and you had Marcus Morris, who was drafted higher than him, Donatus oh, Multiunis, yeah. drafted higher than him. They both went to the G League, but Parsons, like in camp, impressed and was like, you're, you're staying here. He never went to the G League. So I could see something like that if he comes into camp and, and plays such a significant defensive role. I also think when you send players to the G League, they kind of become, I don't want to say heliocentric, but they, they become so much of an all-around game there. That's, I mean, their, their role yeah. is significantly bigger than you want him to sort of develop in the NBA. Um, I can see it happening, but I think what they're really going to be focusing on with him is just his uh, – understanding NBA defensive schemes, what they're trying to run, um, switching and, and all of that stuff because he has such, so many good measurables and, and yeah. uh, athleticism. So um, to answer your question, I, I'm I'm on the fence, but I think it's possible um, that it could really go either way. But I don't think he'll be there for more than like a month. You know, I don't think yeah. he's a guy who's going to be there all season like Knicks. Yeah, and we saw that last year with Aperon Shangun was actually – most of the reports coming into camp was that he was going to start off in the G League, but he he did so much in his short, his brief time in the summer league and in training camp that they just could not put him in uh, the G League. He was just too good. So mm-hmm. I think that could be a, a same thing that happens with uh, with Eason. And then also, same thing with Josh Christopher. He was only there for like four or five games, and then he was already back in the yeah. with the Rockets, and he never looked back. And like I said, that could that could be the same thing that happened with Eason. Now moving on to Ty Ty Washington. He may be somebody that may spend a little bit more time in the G League um, just because you still do have Dacia Nix. I know a lot of people are already kind of slotting in Washington as a backup point guard, but you still have Nix, and they still value what Nix brings to the table. So when they drafted Ty Ty Washington, what was kind of your feeling on that? Because, I mean, I know a lot of people remember him from the tournament last year. I mean, he's a 6'3", 6'4", um, guard that – Really, he's really more of a point guard, even though he played off ball at Kentucky um, yeah. because he because they already had their starting point guard. But the, the few times that he did play full time point guard uh, when they had injuries, I mean, he broke uh, the assist record that John Wall had there for a long time at Kentucky. Um, he showed that he does have playmaking skills. He has a great runner um, that he can get to the basket, a good teardrop. He's still kind of he's not super athletic. He's not. He doesn't have super size. He's actually kind of came in under 200 pounds. Um, but what do you kind of see that Ty Ty Washington can bring to the Rockets? And where do you see him kind of fitting with the Rockets uh, to start the season? Well, you know, if he hits, like if he becomes what we expect him to be, he, he's got the potential to be like a really good, I don't want to say tailor-made, but pretty close fit next to Jalen Green as yeah, far true. as the ideal type of point guard where he can distribute. As you pointed out, he has 17 assists one game. Um, he uh, as well can shoot. He can play off ball. He can knock down shots. He's He's got potential, in my opinion, to be a three-level scorer. Yeah. Where, you know, at, getting at the basket, though, is, is the issue. You nailed it. He's not super athletic. 
Um, the rim pressure is is a, a question with him. I think it was kind of that way with Darius Garland, although Garland was more of a, a lights out shooter. Yeah. But um, I, I just see some some potential there in him. This is a guy who was a, a, a very high prospect, went to Kentucky with a, a lot of uh, fanfare. Um, there's really good upside here. And now if he goes to the G League, and I, and I agree with you, that's possible as well. Interesting if he and Knicks are both there. I mean, I, I'm thinking Knicks is going to come in, play some backup uh, point guard minutes yeah. uh, here, at, at, you know, in Houston. But uh, I'm curious how they balance that. Um, but I love this pick. At the party, we were at, you know, the Rockets were at 26. And we were like, it's going to be between Jaden Hardy and um, Ty Ty Washington. And we were like, either one's going to be such a great pick. And then they trade the pick. You know, move yeah. and pick up two good second round picks, the 2025 Minnesota, 2027 Minnesota second round pick, and move to 29. And we're like, ah, well, maybe one of those guys will be available. Turns out both of them are still there. Yeah. And they take Ty Ty. And you're just like, wow. I mean, that's one of the guys we would have taken at 26 anyway. He was 20th on my board. I love that pick at 29. And to get that, you know, after moving Christian Wood's salary and to, to pick up Ty Ty Washington as an extra. I love that trade. I just think it's a, for a rebuilding team. It's it's a really good uh, swing, cut at, cut at the plate, if you will. Yeah, because if you look at it, if you go back and look at kind of the preseason reports or um, pre, you know, before college season started, Ty Ty Washington was in a lot of uh, mock drafts. He was in the lottery. Oh um, yeah, projected. Um, and then he had the slow start. He dealt with an ankle injury. Like I said, he played a lot off ball, so you didn't see him being able to, you know, be the facilitator that he possibly could end up being in the NBA. So that's where he kind of fell off and kind of fell down the draft boards. But, I mean, he has the talent. He was a five-star recruit going into Kentucky. Yep, so, absolutely. I mean, as much as I like Dacia Nix, and I do like Dacia Nix, I mean, it's going to be a real battle for that backup, uh, backup spot because they're kind of similar as far as facilitators, but I would say that, Ty Ty Washington is more of a natural scorer than Dacia Nix is. Dacia Nix is probably more of a natural facilitator. So it's going to be really interesting. And I, and I agree with you. I think that he's probably going to um, – Nix will probably start in with the Rockets. Um, he'll probably play most of the season with the Rockets. I don't see him going back and forth to the G League this year just because he was just he was just too good for the G League last year. I mean, we kind of saw that yeah. um, in the G League championship. But it's going to be really interesting as the season goes on to see maybe Ty Ty Washington starts to eat into some of his backup minutes. So that's, I think that's probably going to be one of the more interesting position battles out of all of them when it comes to the Rockets next year. Yeah, and you make a, a great point, Lashard, in that you know they're going to, there's going to be a battle between those two as far as like who's you know uh, developing faster or who can make yeah. more of an impact. And the Rockets need that with one year left um, before KPJ needs to resign and. Yeah. I, I don't mean to keep questioning KPJ, but because he's on a good track and he's doing well and knock on wood, things have been smooth, but you do need some insurance um, if that does not go right or he's not in yeah. the long-term plans. And so to develop two point guards that you like, um, that you think are at least worthy of mid-level um, first-round picks, um, it, there's just a lot to be happy about there. And, and, even if both either one of those guys end up being a very good backup point guard, that's a significant player as well. Maybe the Rockets add a, um, a point guard as free agent or as uh, you know in a trade in in a year. But Ty Ty, in my opinion, and possibly Knicks have the potential to be starting point guards in the league if they continue to to grow. So, yes, love that pick. 
Yeah, and I I agree with you. I don't think the Rockets are at a point where outside of Jaden Green where they should be holding back one player because they already have that player on their roster. I mean, I don't really see – I mean, like I said, I like Dacian Nix. I followed him all year. I think he can be a really good player, but I agree with the Rockets that you still draft the best player, especially at 29. I mean, you see what you get um, if – you know, they both have the chance to battle it out. And that's kind of why, if the reports are true, why I was kind of disappointed with the news about KJ is because I feel like he should want to come in and compete with Jay Sean Tate or whoever they bring in in the draft. Like I said, we don't know 100% sure how true all the rumors are, but, I mean, Kelly Eco is not really the type of person that's going to come out with information unless he, you know, has verified sources. So, Oh, sure. I mean, that's why I'm kind of was disappointed in hearing that news. I feel like KJ should want to compete for that position because there's really no set positions outside of Jaden Green and Alperen Shangoon in the starting lineup and now Jabari Smith. Um, so I just wanted to see what he would do with that. But, yeah, I agree. It's going to be a real battle with that backup position. So just overall, um, how do you feel going into next year compared to how you felt maybe 48 hours ago? Oh, I mean, I, I think I would have felt really good regardless. Like I, I, even if it was Paolo, I would have been like, Hey, let's, let's roll with Paolo. This, this could be, uh, you know, this could be fun. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling better than I did. Even if it had been Paolo, because I, I just, I I'm excited. I gotta be honest. I, it was unfair, but I'm sitting there thinking to myself, do the Rockets value defense at all? I mean, it's yeah. to be dead last. It's no big deal. I mean, it's not a big deal when you're rebuilding. So I'm not knocking them for being last there. But, like, the prospects that they're bringing in aren't necessarily known for their defense. I mean, yeah. Garuba, yes, hasn't we haven't seen much um, from him. But, you know, the other guys have some definitely potential defensively. I'm impressed with Jalen Green. But, like, it, it, they've definitely been swinging upside. Even Christian Wood was a, a really special offensive player who has defensive yeah. weaknesses. Now they bring in two blue chippers, in my opinion, that are good defensively, if not potential elite defensive players. And Ty Ty Washington is a good defensive player. Yeah. He, he's yeah. he's got – um, yeah. And so he's got some skills there as well. So, um, yeah, I, I just – like I really got a lot of respect for Felstone, Patrick Fertitta, Eli White as the, the front office. Just um, they had, in my opinion, an A-plus draft. I, I, I know I'm a Rockets fan. I'm biased. But I feel <laughs> like if they – you know, if I didn't like some of those guys, I, I, would, I would say it. And I, I just think they really nailed all three of those. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just Rockets fans saying this. I mean, everywhere I've been listening, everybody's been giving the Rockets, um, you know, they usually do the winner's loser type thing, and they, everybody's been saying the Rockets have been definitely a winner in this draft. I, I mean, everybody, you know, of course Jabari Smith was the pick, but, you know, he kind of fell into their lap. But everybody loved the Tari Eason pick. They loved taking a swing with Ty Ty Washington. So it's not just Rockets fans. There's a lot of different people that think the Rockets had a really good draft. Um, I know you probably have to run here pretty soon because I know uh, they probably have a press conference uh, here in a few minutes, but sure. I want to get your opinion real quickly on Eric Gordon. Do you see him being on the roster when the season starts, or do you kind of just see this playing out? Because, again, he's kind of the key to minutes when it comes to how the Rockets are going to do with their wing players and you know just even their backcourt. So do you see them kind of dragging this into the season and kind of just waiting maybe too closer to a trade deadline? If they don't get the future pick offer, I do. Uh, and, yeah. of course, it, it has to be a future pick now, right? I mean, unless somebody's trading a prospect or something, they yeah. can't get a 2022 pick and, and make a selection in 48 hours. So they're in a good spot. I still think you have to look at teams. 
like Phoenix for sure. Um, I would have said Minnesota. That's I, still a possibility with with Malik Beasley in that in that salary situation. Yeah, they need a future first round pick for Eric Gordon, and if they can get it, I think they will deal him. the The question is, what vets can they bring in or or vet that is just yeah. respected and can help lead some of these young guys like Eric Gordon has. Uh, yeah. He's not ideal, but he's been good for them and they all respect him and, and really love playing with him. So that's going to be a question if they do trade Gordon, but I think it's just a matter of, of getting that, that future first. Obviously they could have traded him to, to Daryl Morey for the 23rd pick yeah. yesterday. I mean, they, like you know, it's Daryl wanted that trade. There's no doubt about that. Um, but the Rockets didn't, didn't want it. And they didn't want the 23rd pick of this draft. They want a future first. If they get it and it's a, it's a solid first round pick, they'll pull the trigger. Yeah, I think that's what people just need to remember when they wonder why Gordon wouldn't trade it. Last year or this year, I just don't think the Rockets wanted more picks, especially at that particular point. Now, they, of course, they did end up bringing Ty Ty Washington, but I just don't think they wanted that 23rd pick. Um, uh, I'm going to definitely go ahead and let you run. Uh, I know you're not going to say it's a victory lap, but I'm going to say it's a victory lap for you. So um, I, I'm excited. I love defense. I look at defense as the number one way that a rebuilding team gets out of rebuilding. So I'm excited for the pick. I'm excited to see where they go with it. Um, so the next interesting thing is going to be, like you said, do they bring in a vet? Uh, during free agency, that's fine with coming off the bench or not playing at all at some point. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what's coming up. And, uh, again, I appreciate you jumping on because I know you've been everywhere today. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure, man. And I like yeah. the way you worded that about getting out of the rebuild. So, yeah, yeah. anytime, Lashard. It's always a pleasure to come on Rocket Fuel. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's going to do it for today. But we have another show coming up tomorrow with Mr. Ben DeBose. So we definitely get his opinion on everything, um, AD, uh, Mr. Anthony Duck will be on with me tomorrow. So make sure you check that out. And we always appreciate everybody that comes on and join us here on Rocket Fuel presented by Clutch Fans. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.